Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Nation, welcome to episode 113 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host tonight, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and there you see my name there on the screen. For those of you watching live on YouTube, we are live once again, both on YouTube, on Twitter, and at www.mrbenfica.com. How is everyone doing tonight? We beat the Largatus, that is right, we beat the Largatus, they will not go undefeated. So, I mean, that's really what it came down to today. Or this weekend, I should say the game wasn't today. It's really what it came down to was whether or not the Lergatus go undefeated. But as a, as a club who has had that title, who has gone undefeated and been champions, um, you know, back when that happened in the 70s, we had the responsibility to those guys who did it to go out there and to, to fight and to prevent them from taking that bit of the crown okay sporting the champions elect already and the only thing left for them to do was to beat us and they would have walked out undefeated but fortunately for those of you that saw the pregame show 
pre-match show uh, that I put on just before the match. I had said that I was hoping and expecting Sporting to come out a bit flat and to come out a bit, as I called, hungover. And I was expecting exactly what we got from Sporting in the first half hour of play. That said, Benfica did their job. So it's not our problem that Sporting showed up the way they did and that we, we took care of business and they weren't able to. Um, if you see me turning my head, it's because to my left, I've got some Copa Libertadores going on right now. Palmeiras of Abelfred have just leveled 3-3 against Defensa Justicia in a key matchup in that very tight Group A. Um, so that's that stole my attention for a moment. Uh, special welcome, everybody, obviously, listening on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, um, Odyssey, everywhere. Wherever you get your, your podcasts, hello, welcome again to Mr. Benfica. All right, tonight we are going to talk about the Derby because we did win it, okay? Um, I'm going to talk maybe a little bit about tomorrow's match, but tomorrow we're taking on Vitória Guimarães at the Dom Alfonso Henriques, and at this moment there will be no supporters and come to find out that even if the league had, in the government, I should say, had allowed supporters for this match, that there would be no supporters for um, for this one because because there is a stadium ban in effect for Vitória Guimarães. And guess what? Playing in empty stadiums in the pandemic does not cover that suspension. Therefore, uh, they would have served it tomorrow against Benfica, which obviously hurts their ticket revenue, but uh, that's not the case. There'll be no fans. There will be no fans at the Final de Tassa, but there'll be, what they say, 12,000? Maybe less than that. But there'll be 10% or something like that uh, English traveling supporters at the Champions League final at the Stadio do Ladrón. That's okay to the government, but our own Tassa, our own people, stay home, do as you're told. Uh, that is the message we're getting from the Portuguese government and... Um, well, you know, that didn't really happen last week, but that is the message they're giving us right now. So, unfortunately, nobody will be in the stadium this weekend or uh, tomorrow. But a few things before we get into the match I do want to touch upon, and um, I said I talked about it in the pre-match show, the manifestations, the, the protests, the show of of no confidence, really, from supporters towards the president, Luis Felipe Fieda. As you can imagine, that movement has my full support, okay? I'm 100% behind that, okay? I am 100% behind hashtag Hua Vieira. No question about it. I don't have to talk about it anymore because we got a match to talk about. And the boys came out and they played. But before we do that, I'm going to talk a little bit about what else went on in the news this weekend. We had some hockey to talk about, rink hockey to be exact, European Final Four, all Portuguese teams this year. And it was Benfica taking on Sporting. Game would end 5-5 after regulation. Benfica's goals by Carlos Nicolia with two, Lucas Ordonez with two, and Sergi Aragones with one. For Sporting, their goals came from Matias Platero. Uh, twi- he scored twice, as did Ferran Font and Tony Perez uh, also scores for the Lions. And the game goes to penalty kicks. I'm sorry, to penalty shots. Uh, we're talking we're talking rink hockey here. The game goes to penalty shots. Befica would lose in penalty shots in a somewhat 
controversial manner. And then worst of all is as a sporting win and they're celebrating, they, they plow over Carlos Nicolia, uh, knocking him uh, out of the way as they celebrate, taunting him. This is the club that thinks they should have gotten a guard of honor from us. Maybe they took it out on the hockey court. I don't know. I highly doubt that. Um, I I said what I think about the guard of honor on Saturday. Okay, it was it was something that um, I at one time was was in favor of, and then I when I saw their celebrations and when I saw Nuno Santos with that that scarf, nope, I was done with that. I was all done with the idea of a guard of honor, and it prompted me to respond. And those of you that follow me on Instagram and on Facebook saw my my uh, Instagram and Facebook story where I had the whiteboard out, and it said right on it. And in fact, no, I did show this as well. I still have it written here, and this is for this is in Portuguese, and it says the mathematics of the lizards. 18 plus 1 equals 23. We've already discussed what that math means, where it comes from. Um, that that dead horse has been beat enough. But I also had the one that said uh, in my best Portuguese, Graças a Deus, meu avô não quis ser largato. Thank God my grandfather did not want to be a lizard, did not want to be a Spartanguista. That is the reason we have Mr. Benfica, because had he gone with the rest of the family, this... I. I probably wouldn't even be watching football. I'll be honest with you guys. I probably would hate sports if my grandfather had not had not decided he was going to be a Benfiquista, raised my father Benfiquista, raising me Benfiquista. If not for that, I don't think I'd be podcasting on sports because there's no way I would have supported Sporting through the last 20 years. Absolutely not. I don't care. And uh, my family didn't really care for that picture, I don't think. <laughs> None of them are talking to me right now. Uh, I tried to be nice afterwards, and I don't think I don't think it went over very well. But that is true. I'm thankful my grandfather did not want to be a lizard. Um, yeah, they won the championship this year, but we've got way more, even when they invent their own. Okay, uh, so Befica Hockey, back to, back to hockey. They lose 2-1 uh, to one in penalty shots. And Sporting would go on and win the European Championship, beating Porto in the final. Now hockey has to regroup and return to to league play because we have playoffs. Um, and the next match will be on the 22nd of May, and that is on Saturday. It's at 14 o'clock, it says here, so at 2 p.m. I don't know, this is according to 00. I don't know if this is set for my time zone or for Portugal's, but it will be. Uh, Benfica playing at the Dragon Caixa up north against Porto again. Okay, it's game number two in the best of five of this semifinal. Benfica lead the series one to nothing right now, having won game number one, and they won that game number one by a score of as I pull it up here. They won that game number one by a score of seven to five back on the eighth of May. That wraps up hockey for right now. We'll talk about women's football a little bit later as there's lots of good news there. But now let's get in to the football match. But first, I'm going to take a quick break. For those of you listening on the podcast, you're going to get some music. Those of you watching the live feed, just sit tight. I'm going to bring up the notes. I'm going to bring up uh, the stats and whatnot for this match. And I will be back in just a few moments to talk Benfica versus Sporting League uh, Liga Nage where it will get you can get unused to the name Liga Nage because Liga Nage is going to be a thing of the past it's going to be the Liga Portugal B win 
next season. So for the second to last time, Liga Nage, round 33. We'll be right back with that in just a moment. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo And welcome back to Mr. Basic episode 113, the Mr. Michael Castillo here. And hello again to everybody listening on the podcast on the various podcast platforms. And special hello to everybody watching live or watching it after the fact, either on YouTube on, um, well, either on YouTube or on www.mrbenfica.com. If you haven't yet, go to www.mrbenfica.com, sign up to my, my email list and get notified when there's new content, all right? Um, and if you haven't, go to YouTube, click on, on the subscribe button, okay? It's right at the bottom of your screen down there. And hit the little bell next to it so that in the future, whenever I post something, you will be alerted, okay? I'm going to try to uh, try to boost that subscription list in um, the last couple episodes of the season here as we are winding down on Season 3 of Mr. Benfica. Uh, this is the penultimate round of the championship, and we are at the Stadio de Luge. Let's quickly go here and let's pull up. Uh, we'll start with the results around the league. I'm going to show it to you on the screen here for those of you watching. And there it is. All right. As you can see there, there's the table. I'm going to scroll 
down and I am going to show you the results. We're going to come right here. So the league started out this round would begin on the 15th of May with France hosting Tondela. And the side in the relegation battle right now, Ferenc, would win 1-0. Boavista would win 1-0 over Portimonense. There you see Benfica and Sporting. We're going to talk about that one. All these matches on the 15th on Saturday. Uh, Porto would beat Rio Ave later on Saturday 3-0, which would then eliminate us from contention for second place, meaning we will have to start preseason early on the year of international tournaments on a year where there's Copa America and the Euros. And uh, that's not good news, but it's a, it's a predicament we put ourselves in, you know, with the way we've played all season. Uh, moving further down, Family Count, 3-0 winners over Nacional. I said it last week. Nacional, don't take care. See you never. Hopefully you don't ever come back to the first division. I actually hope you go down to the third division. Bolinish Saad were beaten 2-0 at the Jamor by Santa Clara. Santa Clara now in an interesting battle with Vitoria Guimarães and a few other clubs for the final spot in the UEFA Europa Conference League. And speaking of Vitoria, they drew 0-0 with Maritimo in Madeira. And it sets up a final day in that race that will be remembered, no doubt about it. Tondela host Passos de Ferreira. That was today, actually. I guess I'll get that out of the way. Earlier today, Tondela hosted Passos de Ferreira. If you saw my Instagram story, you saw that I put that. These teams were told yesterday. They were told yesterday that they were going to play today. They were given one day's notice of the day and time of their match. Completely unacceptable. Again, Sonutuga only in the Portuguese league. Do you see absurdity like this? And... Passos Ferreira, led by Peppa, go into Tondela and win 3-2. Peppa beats his former team there and uh, close out the season. That's 34 matches for these two teams. They are finished. Okay, let's go to our match then, and let's start talking about Benfica versus Sporting. And I'll pull it up here for you guys. And let's see. We'll get it here. And let's take a look at the lineups. Hopefully this isn't too small. I hope you can see it on your screen. As I look on, it looks it looks pretty small, but I'll I'll read it off. Uh, we will start with the visitors, Sporting, the already crowned champion, and SofaScore Sofa gives some interesting stats here. They give the first 11's average age for Sporting is 26.3 years old. The goalkeeper is Antonio Adan. Both teams playing a mirroring. 3-4-3-ish formation that, that easily morphs into a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 five, a five, uh, if necessary. But um, it's more of a... Sporting is more of a 3-4-2-1 a than is Benfica's. But Sporting been playing this system for over a year now since Ruben Amorim got there. They're much more seasoned at it, as you could see. And But this game showed that um, it... It's a bad matchup when two teams playing the system face each other because the three attackers versus three defenders created nightmares for both teams. Uh, Gonzalo Inácio, Sebastian Coates, and Mateus Reis are the three across the back. João Pereira, Mateus Nunes, Daniel Bragança, and Nuno Mendes across the midfield now. Nuno Mendes, as we know. Nuno Mendes and João Pereira wearing the armband uh, in this one. 
function much more as wingbacks than they do as midfielders. In front of them, the attacking mids, or you can call them forward, supporting forwards. Uh, it is Nuno Sancho, our former player, our disrespectful former, ungrateful former player, and he's he partners with Pedro Gonçalves, better known as Pot, and they're playing behind the striker Paulinho. Now for Benfica, Elton Leite is in goal once again. The three across the back, no surprises here. Lucas Verissimo, Nicolas Otamendi, and Jan Bertongen. Uh, Alejandro Grimaldo and Diogo Gonçalves are the wing backs. Adelta Rapt gets the start over, over Rafa in this one. And what happens is PZ moves out of the, the double pivot into a wide position down the right. And Adelph slides in next to Weigel. And this was a move, if, if Rafa couldn't go 90 minutes, which I'm assuming he couldn't due to the knock he picked up, thanks to Pep in the Porto match, um, I, I actually said on the pregame that I didn't mind this one as much. And I know you guys know how I feel about Adel Terapt, but um, I was reminded, and I'll get to it when it happens, but I was reminded of uh, what happened when he exited this match. And I do agree with you on that one. In this match, uh, that was, once again, J.J., with a poor decision um, in in terms of substitution. I know what he was trying to do. He didn't accomplish it. Accomplish it. I don't know how he thought he was going to. Feigl is there as well, as we said. Everton is the other wide forward down the left, and he had another monster game for himself. He, has, he is closing out this season in style, and Harris Seferovic is the striker, the, the league's joint leading goal scorer. And those are the 11 for Benfica. And we can talk some more about this. But Benfica knew that... I think they knew that this match was ripe for the taking. I think everyone in that locker room knew they had as good a chance as ever to win a match here. Again, and it, it, they haven't won a big match in a long time. And especially at home. We have not played well at home all season. So it was very important to... To, to come out in this match and make a statement at home. Uh, hopefully, we're all hoping, fingers crossed, that this is the last time we see the Stadio de Luz empty. We're all hoping that this is the last time that uh, we don't have fans in the stands supporting our players. Uh, although, I'm pretty sure that the board is very, very uh, anxious about that, and I think they would love to see fans stay away for a little longer. They know they're unpopular at this point, especially LFV. He went to this match. Vieto went to this match for whatever reason. All of a sudden, he's okay to go to the match. Um, he, he he brings nothing. I mean, yeah, we'll criticize him for not being there all those weeks, but to come now for this big one after you've just had the week that he had had in court or wherever he was before Parliament talking to authorities. Now he he comes out and he and he shows up for the match and you know what? Too little, too late. He clearly has his priorities somewhere else, and I'm not even saying that that's wrong. He probably should have his priorities elsewhere, but he needs to step down. He won't do that. So we'll ha it's going to be an interesting summer to see what the sausage and what the supporters do in this summer to, to voice themselves, to voice their opinions and see uh, if they can exercise any power against this regime. I don't know that they can. It seems like everyone who has tried has been pretty powerless. Um, it seems to be sealed airtight and it doesn't seem to be uh, any cracks in that nucleus that is protecting the president. But back to the football now. We talked about the lineups and we talked about uh, the two teams 
yeah, this is a pretty good match of football. I'll say it's a pretty decent match of football. Um, a lot of people liked it. Obviously, we won, so we liked it. But it didn't have the same feel of the Porto match. And I thought in the Porto match, it was a rivalry match. We knew the title wasn't on the line. We knew neither team was going to get it. I think deep down, neither team believed this whether we definitely didn't, but I don't think Porto believed they were going to win this thing, this league either when they came to the Shadi de Luz to beat us. It was two teams that wanted to beat each other. This match looked a little bit wide open. More, I said it was going to be more of a football match, and it'll probably be more wide open. And it was. Um, Sporting, again, were partying midweek, and that throws everything off. And they were, they were there to be there. And Benfica saw the opportunity and started very, very well. I'll pull up the ticker now, and we'll go through the the situations in the match. Now, I've also, because I don't do this this podcast on in. Wow, not to get distracted, but Defensa e Justicia have scored in stoppage time at the Allianz Park in São Paulo. They are playing, as I said, they're playing Palmeiras, and it looks like a Belferreira is going to lose at home here to the Argentine side. Defensa e Justicia, nice cross and a heading goal. It's in like the 92nd right now. Okay, back. Um, again, distracted, but back to the derby. And again, uh, what I did, because I do this show a few days after the fact, I do like to listen to the other shows, to the other analysis, both in English and in Portuguese. Um, I like to watch the match in English and then watch it again in Portuguese. I'll admit this time I didn't get around to watching it a second time. Okay, uh, I have not been able to, to do that. Um, my my schedule just hasn't allowed me to get around to watching it a second time. I wish it had. So I'm going off the English and off my friend Nico, uh, I'm sorry, Nino Torres there at Gold TV, who gave Mr. Benfica a shout out. If you were listening, if you were watching in English, you heard it early in the match. Uh, a shout out from Nino Torres on Gold TV. Thank you, brother. I do greatly appreciate that. And he. Uh, he told everyone to check out the show, to check out Mr. Benfica. And, uh, again, I appreciate that. But he called this game. He did a good job calling the game. And I think that, you know, there was kind of a laid-back feeling about this game. And I think that's why both teams played kind of really open. Now, again, our left side is just a gaping hole. It's a freeway. It's an invitation for other teams to come and attack. Okay, our left side bleeds goals. And some of that has to be on Vertonghen as well. Vertonghen's struggling a little bit defensively. Okay, he doesn't have the pace, and he's not that hard-nosed, okay? He's the best defender we have at coming out with the ball and to play out of the back, but he, he leaves some to be desired in defense, especially without anyone to help him on that side, whether it's at left back or in the double pivot, you know. You just don't have the coverage that a player like him may need, and he probably will get when he goes to the Belgian national team for the Euro. But if you could start well, and we'll move forward, and in the sixth minute we do get a yellow card for for Benfica. It takes no time for the referee to produce a yellow card to Benfica. It's Grimaldo for a foul on Pot, and the ensuing free kick, left-footed shot from outside the box. Courtesy of Paulinho is blocked by the wall. And we go ahead and move forward to the seventh minute. And Everton with a right-footed shot from outside the box. 
It's saved in the bottom right corner by Adan. He was set up by PZ on the play, and this was the first of many combinations we would see in this match between PZ and Everton. And it looks like PZ has kind of refound himself a little bit. And I think I have a theory. Because if you go back, I think it was three or four weeks ago, if you go back, UEFA announced that they were going to allow national teams to roster 20, I think seven. I could be wrong, but I believe it was 27 players for the upcoming Euro. And I feel like when that happened, something went off in PZ's mind and in PZ's brain that all of a sudden he has a chance to be that 27th player on Fernand Sanchez's roster. And he started turning it on. Now, you can couple that with the emergence of Everton, and, and they've combined well. That also has led to some good play from both from both of them. And PZ has come alive. And, I mean, again, I say all the time, when PZ can get into the attacking third, he's a far better player than when you stick him in midfield and he's got to go, you know, box to box. He doesn't have the lung to do that. Uh, we really don't have a guy to do that. Um, and that is a real flaw in the way that this team is constructed, in the way that this team is built. That's a real, real flaw. But... Again, you know, the 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 dynamic of the team is is really inconsistent and PZ PZ's inconsistent, but I think PZ is a guy who has his place in this team. It's not to be as the best player. It never was. It cannot be. He's just not that guy. And we ask that of him a lot of times. Okay? We ask him to be the captain. Well, he has he has a personality that's that's a different type of leader. He, we ask him to be again the guy that that controls the midfield and that that controls the tempo of the match, not in his game. But when we have the when we can get him further up the pitch into the attacking third, and playing, I'm gonna say right now, playing a delta rapt in the midfield allows Peasy to go further up the pitch. That allows him to do what he does well, which is to produce the final pass. And to finish, okay? I remember, this is great. I remember when we go back to the Tetra winning year, okay? When PZ was, was when he got the name the Monku Master, right? When he only scores against the Monkus, like I said. We would, we would talk, and I mean, I wasn't doing a show at the time, but you would hear people talk, and you would hear people, you know, in, in on Twitter or in the chat rooms uh, discussing how PZ misses all the time. Now, I believe he's still the same peasy. The difference is now we don't have Jonas. We don't have Lima. We don't have, uh, you know, Mitroglou. We don't have Raul Jimenez to score goals. We have peasy. And we have Seferovic. Okay. And I think we now have Gonzalo Ramos, who should be an integral part of this, this team going forward. But that's who we have. So all of a sudden... When those guys are gone, Peasy becomes our best finisher, at least of the, the usual 11. Maybe he's playing because he feels he's in the shop window, and maybe that's also raised his game. Perhaps he's looking for that move to finally go abroad and to, to prove himself somewhere else and to make that final contract and to get that last, that last nice payday. But in the 11th minute, it comes to be, and it is Peasy with the assist here. And it is a nice goal. It's none other than the Swiss Army knife, Aris Seferovic, played in behind on an exquisite to a T 
ball, through ball from Luiz Afonso Fernandes. Luiz Miguel Afonso Fernandes, better known to you and me as Peasy. He puts the ball into space. Seferovic chips Adan. Nuno Mendes running at full speed. Slides and looks like he's going to keep the ball out. But in the process of saving the ball and clearing it off the line, he kicks it off his own hand and into the goal. Uh, they end up awarding the goal to Seferovic because that ball was going in before Nuno Mendes makes that error. And it is 1-0 to the good guys in the 11th minute. And I was excited here. But, again, traumatized from the Porto match. And the, the goal at the, at the dying seconds that was taken back. I didn't celebrate this one. I waited. I said, I'm going to wait on this. And it's unfortunate because it really takes away from the enjoyment in the match. It really takes away when you can't celebrate a goal for your for your side, especially against your rivals. But Benfica take the lead, and it's more Benfica going forward as Seferovic will win a free kick in the 15th, followed by Gonzalo Inácio in the 19th. Otamendi wins a free kick in the attacking half coming forward. Otamendi had himself a good game, in my opinion. I think I have been more than blown away by by what he has grown into this season at his age he's refound his career at Benfica and I'm gonna be honest right now I hope that Nicolas Otamendi is a guy that has another season to two seasons in him because it's not just on the pitch okay his positioning is good he, he blocks a lot of shots he's good defensively not as good coming out but I can live with that again you guys know how I feel about that pretty short passing if it ain't there, if it ain't working, you know, you, you got to go to something else. You don't keep forcing it. Uh, many people continue to force the short play, the short passing. Uh, you know, you look at a, a manager like a Mauricio Pochettino that has not evolved his game at all and continues to play that short style. He goes to PSG, the richest team probably in the world, and can't get by Manchester City in the Champions League and runs the risk of this weekend losing the French League Championship. Why did they sack Tuchel, right? To, to play pretty football. You see where pretty football gets you sometimes, okay? I'm not saying you can't play that way, but it does become predictable, and good teams can adjust. And the thing is, when you play pretty, and, and Benfica played pretty in this match. They moved the ball well. They were much less direct, okay? A lot of good passing in the first 30 minutes or so. What happens is the opponent eventually adjusts. Sparthing woke up, and it got harder to play that way. But fortunately for the Befica, they had opened up a little bit of a lead there. And we move to the 28th minute, and this time it is Luis Miguel. Luis Miguel Afonso Fernandes. PZ with the goal uh, assisted by Everton. This was the goal of the season on as far as pretty football. Was it not? They just continued to combine and, and to find each other in and out. You know, through the they go right through the the Sporting back four. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful uh, back heel from Everton, and PZ chips it ever so so cheekily over Adan into the goal. Two nil to the good guys. Toma Largatus hit Benfica ahead, and I'm starting to get a little bit more excited now, and I'm starting to think, oh yeah. We're going to take that away from them today, and we're going to play some real... We're going to send a message for next season that, yeah, you won this one. A lot of shady stuff went down this year, 
Let's talk about how Sparthing had their match, you know, postponed because of a a couple of COVID cases. Benfica has their their roster decimated and forced to play four games in two weeks in that time frame, missing all those players. And, you know, that's not the only reason we didn't win the championship. But we went from first essentially to third in that in that short time span because we dropped so many points in those four matches. So uh, a lot of things went Spartans' way this year. I'm not taking any credit away from them. They did their job. They did what they had to do. Their manager put the best team out. And let's talk for a minute about the show of sportsmanship before the match between Georges Azuz and his former player, Ruben Amorim. And I think Ruben Amorim has done a very, very good job this year in becoming embraced by the Sporting Ishtas, but without disrespecting his roots with Benfica. He's done it without insulting us, which is more than you can say for most people that end up on one of our rivals, you know, most of our former players that end up at our rivals. He did it with class, okay? He gave us credit when we deserved it. He didn't play into the 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 mind games. He didn't get into the into the the hate that exists between the clubs. Ruben Amorim went out there and did a job, did a professional job and won a title for a club that had been starved for 19 years. But he did not piss on Benfica to do it. He did not burn that bridge. He managed it pretty well. And I know not everybody agrees with me, but he'd be, if it's for me, he'd be welcome back here anytime. I would welcome Ruben Amorim as Benfica's manager the day that, that George Zuz moves on. Now, I think Ruben... His career is going to go one of two ways, and I think he's very much in the same lane right now that Bruno Lage was in, and next season it's going to go either right or left for him. Uh, Ruben is either going to continue this run, and Sporting are going to be contenders again, and they're going to play good football. They're going to do well in the Champions League. They're going to compete for the title. They're going to be there at the end. Or it's going to go the other way like it did for my man Bruno Lage. It's very It could go either way. And next year, Sporting's not sneaking up on anybody. Next year, Sporting is playing midweek like everybody else, like Benfica and Porto. Next year, Pot isn't surprising anybody. Teams are going to be prepared for him. You saw throughout the, the second half of the season, they did not win with the same ease they won matches in the first half of the season. Now... I listened to the analysis of this match from, from their point of view as well. Uh, I listened to Sporting 160EN. It's actually a very good show. And I find myself, okay, despite the fact that they, I and them support different clubs, and I doubt any of them are listening, but if they are, you guys have a fantastic show, by the way, and your analysis is pretty much always spot on. I find myself agreeing with them more than anybody else in terms of the game inside the four lines, okay? Their analysis, I thought, was on point for this match. Um, aside from the fact, you know, that <laughs> it didn't, they, they were reminding everybody it didn't really matter that much to them and that, yeah, it sucks that they lost to us, but they're still the champions. And I, I get that feeling. I remember Benfica winning a championship and then going to Porto on the final day and losing. And I remember laughing at the Porto players taking a picture in the locker room like they just won something because, you know, they, they'd beaten us who had already clinched the title. And on a day where we rolled out, you know, uh, Paulo, uh, Paulo Lopes and goal 
Broderick Miranda was our captain. Okay, we rolled out all the kids, and um, you know they managed to beat us that day. And I remember, I remember seeing seeing that picture of them in the locker room like they just won a trophy. I didn't want that to be us in this one. I did want to win this match, but I didn't want to over exaggerate the achievement. And the the crew over at Benfica Independent on Hrskald, on their Hrskald, uh, their Bancada Independent, I think it was Magda that said that George Zouch is going to be the first manager ever to put in his CV that he was some he was a team's only loss. George Zouch is going to put in his CV when it where it says 2020 2021 only manager to beat Sporting in the league. He he probably feels that way. But again, he nearly lost this one for us again or at least, you know, dropped us to from from winning to a draw. But moving on Benfica is still in pretty good control of this match here. As Sporting are starting to wake up, but Benfica is still clicking, still firing on all cylinders, still showing uh, some good football here and really showing some some gacha, some fight, some intensity. And we go to the 36th minute, and they blow it open again. Uh, coming off of a, uh, of a corner, PZ with the cross finds Lucas Verissimo, and the Brazilian international with a header finds the back of the net. It is 3-0 to Benfica now. 3-0 to the good guys. And now I'm I'm psyched. And this is when I'm starting to take pictures of myself writing writing on this whiteboard. Uh, sending messages to my Largatu, my Largatu uh, cousins uh, back in Portugal. And, uh, starting, and then I'm thinking to myself, I better hold my horses. Because before I could blink, before I could even... Finish laughing. It didn't take long. It was Paulinho nearly, nearly leveling the match. Uh, header from the center of the box misses just left. But still, a minute later, it is Pot Pedro Gonçalves. Knowing he's now one behind uh, Harris Seferovic for the lead in the Golden Boot Race. Uh, Pot finds the end of a cross from... From uh, no, it wasn't our cross. Excuse me. He finds the end of a pass from Matheus Luiz, and with some nice footwork, he carves his way into some space and fires a left-footed shot from the center of the box to the center of the goal. Uh, Weigel really kind of gets beat a little too easy here on this goal, um, but again, Weigel has one of the toughest jobs on the pitch because he needs a midfield partner that actually complements him, and that's not a knock on PC or Tarapt. Okay, it's Weigel's nature is not to be the number six. Okay, so he's he's adapting to the number six, but when you're facing a lineup like Spartans and you have all that speed and all that ability and all that skill in their midfield, he needs more help than he's getting. He's being asked to cover too much space, and as a result, he's just you know he I think he gets he gets himself kind of floored as. I think he might have already been booked at this point, but he he finds himself, you know, backing up and kind of not making the best judgment uh, in defending the dribble. And Pot makes it two to uh, three to one. Excuse me, he gets Sporting on the board, and we head to halftime three to one. Ruben Amorim makes two substitutions in the second half, or at halftime, I should say. He brings on João Mario, replaces João Pereira. And João Pailinha still yet to serve that suspension. 
uh, <laughs> replaces Daniel Bragança. And Sporting almost immediately stabilize. Okay. Uh, Pot hits the post in the 51st minute with his left footed, uh, with his right footed shot, excuse me, from outside the box. He was set up by João Mario. Um, moving ahead, and Jorge Jesus makes an. He makes the same error I complained about in the last episode when referring to the Porto match. This time, Weigel stays on. But he takes off Adel Terapt. And you all know how I feel about him. And I got I got a message from Neil, from a friend of the show up there in the 6 up in Canada. Neil asks me, what happened when Adel Terapt came off? And I said, we sucked. <laughs> I said it was a mistake. Because once again, George Jesus sends on Gabriel. A player I used to love. This guy used I used to love the way this guy played the game two seasons ago. He's not that player anymore. The injuries and the time off. He has never regained the form. Okay, he's a player that you can see struggles with fitness. And when he can't be that pit bull that's high pressing, okay, he played his best as the high pressing forward playing in front of Andreas Samadis under Bruno Lage. Always completing that triangle with Seferovic and Jerome Felix like that. Okay, he would he would he would complete that triangle when they would press. And Gabriel was always there to break up the other team's buildup, and then smash their lines with a diagonal ball into space for somebody. Gabriel does not do that anymore. Gabriel does not have the fitness to move on the pitch. Gabriel never had the awareness. Or the vision to be a number six. Or to be a defensive-minded midfielder. If he's not pressing, he's not helping. Especially in a game where you're winning. I know George Jesus is thinking he's stabilizing the midfield. And he's thinking that he he's cutting off passing lanes. Because he can feel it slipping away. He can feel control of this match going to the rivals. He can feel Spartan growing in the match, growing in influence, growing in territory, moving forward, moving their lines forward, and gaining possession, meaningful possession further up the pitch. But again, bringing in Gabriel is a mistake because every time Gabriel comes on, our midfield completely collapses. And I, I was saying this to my father, actually. Okay, I was saying this to him about Gabriel. The way he gets the ball, he likes to just stand on it with one foot and roll it around the back, beat a couple guys, and then dish it. Gabriel should, I say this half joking, but maybe three-quarters joking, but the club should obviously should consider moving Gabriel from the football team to the futsal team because he is much more suited to be the pivot in the futsal team than he is to be a holding midfielder in the football team. Right now, 11-on-11, 11 11, he doesn't bring you anything. He'll beat two or three guys, perhaps, and he'll he'll make that pass into space that will take somebody down the flank into the attacking third, absolutely, but then he will lose it 10 yards outside of his own penalty area, and all of a sudden you got five Spartan guys coming your way. Again, JJ relies on Gabriel, and it just makes you wonder, what if? What if Florentino got the kind of faith and the kind of confidence and opportunity that Gabriel gets from Jota Jota, from JJ? What if? What if we we had more pay? What if Gonzalo Ramos had that kind of 
faith from the manager. Maybe he'd have he'd have displaced somebody in the starting eleven already. Um, who knows? But it, Gabriel keeps getting chances, and I think Gabriel's time here has come. I think it's time to reach an agreement for him to leave. Okay, let him go back to the Brasileiro. Okay, he needs to play, but he needs to play in a in a style and in a game. That I got a comment here. I'll bring it up in just a moment. He needs to play in a style that is suited for what he can do. And the Brasileiro, and the speed of the Brasileiro, much more his speed. Okay, and they don't press, and they play man to man. All eleven guys, each one has his man. Okay, um. That is where Gabriel really should be going. And there's a comment there from 7, the 7, Silva. 7, JJ is not hungry anymore for football. He's just looking for a paycheck. It really looks that way. It does, doesn't it? It really does look that way that JJ is not hungry anymore. I agree. Um, he will... He We just haven't gotten him the JJ we remember. We didn't even get the Flamingo JJ, okay? Remember, if, if for those of you that followed that season, okay, for those of you that followed that season like I did, every match he was on his, he was stamping up and down the, the, the touchline. He was encouraging his players. You could hear him yelling at them. You know, you could hear him calling their names and telling them what to do, and not in an empty stadium, in a full stadium. In the full Maracanã, you could hear him yelling at William Arão. You could hear him giving confidence to Gabi Gol. He's not doing that anymore. He's watching. He's watching. He's scratching his chin. He's not sure. I agree. The hunger is not there. This was a huge paycheck for him, and that's why he took it. I think, to an extent, I think he was scared to be that far away from home with the situation that was going on in the world. With a, a pandemic, okay? I think he was afraid of getting sick in Brazil and never returning home. He did not, I'm going to guess his family did not want to join him in Brazil or couldn't. And the only way for him to be reunited and to be, feel secure was to return to Portugal. And the only way to return to Portugal, the only president crazy enough to give him the kind of money that he demands was our Luis Felipe Vieira. And here we are in this situation now, 12, less than 12 months later. Uh, worse off than we were when he came in. That's true. Um, I think if he gets hungry, he can do it again. No question. If he gets hungry, he can certainly do it again. But I don't know if he has it anymore either. Because these substitution decisions are just mind-boggling. They're, they're not making any sense. He's repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I'm wondering what his cognitive functioning is at this point to manage this team at this high level. I'm not saying that he's not an intelligent manager, but I'm saying at the amount of pressure that is on at this level and at this expectation, he seems to have cracked and he seems to not know what to do. Maybe we get a different version of him next season. I don't know. But moving on, okay, and we go a couple of yellow cards. It takes... It takes Gabriel all of 10 minutes to get booked here. He's fouled. I'm sorry. He's booked for fouling Nuno Minj. Nuno Minj gets, a, foul, gets a, a booking of his own in the play. As there was a little bit of an exchange between the two of them. Uh, we have a save in the 61st minute. Paulinho gets on a header at the center of the box. Saved in the top center of the, of the goal. He was set up on a cross by Nuno Minj. And then in the 61st, it gets awfully interesting. 
actually I skipped the goal here here we go where are we somewhere here is, is Benfica's penalty kick and it's not noted in the Fat Mob app today but we have the penalty kick that goes to to Peasy and or I should say it normally goes to Peasy this one was given it was Grimaldo who draws the penalty kick and it is Seferovic to step up and, and take the penalty kick um Seferovic fighting for the golden boot. I've always wondered why he never takes penalty kicks. Remember last season? Well, maybe it was the yeah, it was last season before the the pandemic as we were slipping from first place. Remember when PZ couldn't hit a penalty kick when he missed 3 out of 4 or something like that? I always wondered why Seferovic was not stepping up and taking them if he's on the pitch. Even the year he won the golden boot, he didn't take a single penalty kick. Well, he gets one today because well, the team is starts playing. To what happens is it's three to one, and now it becomes let's get the ball to Seferovic and let's see if we can get him some goals so he can win the Golden Boot. He steps up, he hits the penalty kick. It's four to one to Benfica, and it should have been free coasting from there if this team had any notion how to keep a lead, how to play. Um, but again, it doesn't last long. Because in the 61st minute, Nunu Santos, our former player, would score. Uh, on a play where I think that Lucas Verissimo was was beaten too easily. The ball comes across and Paulinho heads it back towards Nuno Santos. Who basically with his back to goal, he does like a semi-turn and knocks the ball out of the air. Sort of a, a, side, a side volley and beats Elton late. It's 4-2 in the 61st. And I think just about all of us were saying, oh, no, here we go. You could feel it. It was in the air. It was in the air in the in the Stade de Luge. You could just see where this was going. You're playing the champions who now have been given a second a second life. They've been given new air. An oxygen bubble has been pumped into their into their space. And they can see that if they get the third one soon and they get it within a goal that we're probably going to crumble. And I'm getting nervous now, and it doesn't take long after that. It will be in, let's see here. It'll be about 10 minutes later, okay? Um, but before we get there, actually, is the key, is the key another key play. And this is where I d disagree with one of the guys on Sporting 160 EN. Two of them I agree with, okay? Now, because the penalty against Lucas Verissimo, Okay, that's a questionable penalty. Watching the replay, watching the video, yes, as his foot comes down, it makes contact with the ball before following through on the Spartan player. That's my understanding as to why he was not given a second booking. We've got another goal in Copa Libertadores. It's it's uh, Renato Paiva's Independiente del Valle going up 1-0 on Universitario of Peru. I just got an alert on that. That's exciting for Renato Paiva, having a pretty good first season in South America. But back to Lucas Verissimo. He he comes down, and his studs touch the ball. Now, I'm not a referee, okay? I, I understand the rules pretty well. I have to say I used to referee. I refereed as a teenager, but I did very, very well in learning the rules. And I've always had an interest in keeping up with the laws of the game. And... My a lot of people's understanding is that if you get the ball first, you can take the leg as well. That's not accurate, okay? So I understand why it's a penalty kick 
And but the Spartan guys wanted to see Verissimo get a second yellow for this. And I I believe, okay, given what I've learned and I haven't had the chance to speak to a, an actual referee about this. I would love to get an a, a, a unbiased, neutral referee who doesn't care about either one of these teams to to break this down and explain to me if I'm right about this. But I believe that touch on the ball first spares Lucas Verissimo a yellow card. Okay, uh, that's my belief. Now, I'm not gonna complain about this next one as much because. We, I think the referee was being consistent, but okay. And when I say I'm not going to complain, I, I'll, I'll elaborate. I, I, I do have an issue with it, but I, I will elaborate in a moment. So Lucas Ferrissimo is, is spared a second yellow card. He's spared ascending off. So up steps Pot, and he's trying to match, trying to match Seferovic and get his second goal, so that they'll both have 20 goals. Pot steps up and he buries it. It's 4-3, to three and I'm saying to myself, here we go. I've been picking on my cousins for the last one hour, making fun of their team that's champions. We were ahead 4-1, to one, and now I'm going to have to listen to them for the next three months about how we blew a 4-1 lead against them. Right? I, I could see it come. The writing was on the wall. I talked to some of you guys on Twitter, too, uh, shortly after the match, and I said that I really believed, or maybe it was an Instagram in Instagram DMs or whatever, but I really said that I believed, I really believed this match was going to end 4-4. I, it looked it looked all set and all meant. It looked like the stars were going to align for a 4-4. Um, but before this penalty, okay, backing up, getting to my original point, is when it is 4-2. Benfica miss out on a chance to go up 5-2. It is, it is Rafa breaking out at pace. Rafa had just come on. He replaced, uh, where is he here? Rafa, okay, so this actually happened after. Rafa replaces, okay, so it was was 4-3 when this happened. Rafa replaces Diogo Salves. Again, I'm concerned why Diogo Salves has to come out. He's still not hitting the fitness we need. If he's going to play that position, and I don't know that we're going to keep this system for next season, okay? But if he's going to be an outside back, he needs to improve that fitness. Outside backs need to play 90 minutes. This is not a position you should normally be substituting. This year under Georges Zouge, we have subbed the outside backs in every match. Sometimes both of them, okay? Now, Gilberto is not available due to a yellow card suspension, so on comes Rafa and he and on comes Nuno Tavares. So what happens is Pizzi comes off, Diogo Salves comes off. Nuno Tavares goes to play right right back, which is almost never what you want out of a young kid like that. And um I won't get to it today, but I think I I think I know and I have an opinion of what should be done with Nuno Tavares because I think there's potential there that needs to be groomed and it needs to be sharpened, but it can't be done under the pressure of the sausage of Sport Lisboa Benfica. It has to be done on loan. I've said this before. It's not new news. But anyway, he comes on. There's moments where he shows his his potential. And he comes on. And fortunately, Luntovaric does not make any mistakes in this one. He's very sound. But anyway, we get Rafa breaking out in a 2-on-0. He's got Seferovic, okay? And... 
it's only Nuno Mensch left to beat. Nuno Mensch comes all the way across the pitch. And he's trying to outrun Rafa. These are probably the two paciest players on the pitch. The two fastest players on the pitch. Okay. And now, Sporting Ishtas, some, I, I should say, most are agreeing with, with my view on this. I, th- I think I think Nuno Mensch uh, got lucky here. I think we were unlucky. But we were also spared earlier of Lucas Verissimo. Probably if Verissimo gets sent off, it would not shock me in the slightest if the VAR reviews this play and sends off Nuno Mensch. But that didn't happen, so it didn't even get reviewed. But Rafa touches the ball into space, and then there's a small collision with him and, and Nuno Mensch. Rafa goes down. Okay. For me, this is a foul all day, every day. Okay. I know it wasn't the hardest contact, but he, he definitely impedes Rafa's ability to run after the ball. The one one of the three on on Sporting 160 EN would say that he just gained his body position and he's allowed to do that. I say the ball was too far ahead to say that. I believe I could be wrong, okay, and I have not had the chance to rewatch this. That I believe the ball was too far ahead of them for him to be shielding at that place, okay? You can't just go up to a player and establish body position without the ball there to be played. Now, what gets it for me and why I think this is a yellow at least, okay? I can see why he didn't send him off directly. Even though he's the last man, I can see because he, you know, he he is being consistent and not applying the strictest interpretation of the law. He's being consistent with both teams here. He's been consistently bad, as many would say, but consistent no less. Problem I have with the play, okay? You can even make the body position argument, but once Nunu Manj's arm is ex- fully extended, and it is fully extended, and it makes contact with Rafa's chest, that's a foul. The amount of force does not matter. It is irrelevant, there is nothing in the law book about force in this situation. He's the fi- he is the last man, last defender, or what they call a obvious goal scoring opportunity and O G S O in 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 the English um, edition of the laws of the game. Referees refer to this as a obvious uh, goal scoring opportunity, which it was because if he gets by Nuno Minj, it's two on zero with the goalie. And it's 5-3, to three, and this game is iced and put away. So, I can even see him not calling it. What I have no sympathy, and what I have no um, excuse for, what I will not excuse, is the VAR not reviewing this. Okay, because this, in any pitch in the world, is a possible sending off, and a possible red card offense is a VAR reviewable offense. And there's no way that the referee is 100% certain that there was no offense there. There's no way he can weigh, they can not go to VAR because, you know, the referee, you know, it's um, not a clear and obvious mistake. The way that VAR is interpreted in in many leagues around the world is, is really, it needs to be retooled, it needs to be re- redone because it's it's not done right. Now, for me, VAR should have reviewed this. They should have rolled it back. And if they can't give a yellow card because the rules don't allow it, 
because I'm not 100% certain on that. I think the rules may not allow for a yellow card to be shown through a review. You can change a red to a yellow, but you can't go from no call to a yellow. But this was a possible red card offense and should have been reviewed. If he watches the reviews and says it's not a red card offense, I could live with that. But they didn't even look at it. So that's where I have a problem. Okay. Um, that's where I have a problem with that play. Nonetheless, if you could suffer for the final the final minutes, we get a couple big important blocks by Otamendi. Another one by, by Vertonghen. Uh, Nunu, Nunu Tavares will see a yellow card in the 86th. Another substitution for George Zuz in the 88th and 89th. On comes Darwin Nunez and Luka Waldschmidt. Out comes Harris Seferovic and Everton Sobolina. And Befico will see see out the result. Yellow card to Potts. Yellow card to Darwin. Uh, another opportunity blocked. Waldschmidt uh, has a chance to ice the match as well in the 90th plus 3. But his left-footed shot from the left side of the box was blocked. He had been set up by Darwin. I thought we waited too long to see Darwin. I wanted to see Gonzalo as well. I really thought JJ should have brought the two of them in and given them more time to play together. I hope we see them play together tomorrow from the start. Okay, It's round 34 tomorrow. There's no reason. And by the time most of you listen to this on the podcast, that match may very well have already taken place. It's no reason to withhold the kids in this one. Okay. Um. However, out of respect to Santa Clara, I think we need to play to win the match. And out of respect to Moreres, and out of respect to, I think, Bolin and Saad might be the other team in there. We need to play the match. We cannot let Vitoria Guimarães win. I know most Benficistas were focused on Sunday's cup final. But I think that that we need to be uh, serious tomorrow. But I have no problem seeing a, a, a lineup with Darwin and with with Gonzalo at least for the final half hour. I know he's going to give Seferovic a chance to score a couple of goals, a chance to score and to, to win the golden boot. Uh, JJ's already announced Odie will be in goal tomorrow. Um, most likely it's his farewell. Um, and a thank you to your service, to be honest. Odie has been a absolute professional with the exception of demanding to leave recently but you gotta you gotta respect a guy that wants to play and where he sees he's not gonna play he needs to move on so that sums it up let's go to the goal point quickly okay and review this match and move on because uh, we're going over an hour already and in the goal point you will see we will look at the ratings for this one and so here we have it and there it is so you see let's start with Sporting and their average rating was a 5.68 with an XG of 1.5 so they were a better team in terms of average individual ratings but lower in terms of expected goals Benfica with a 5.48 XG um, a 5.48 average rating in a 2.3 2.3 xg so adan has a 6.2 in goal that's a heck of a good rating for a goalkeeper that gave up four goals um so interesting how how the algorithm came up with that joan Pereira 4.5 gustavo inacio has gonzalo inacio excuse me 6.2 sebastian coates 6.1 uh mateus hage 4.3 he's the lowest rated player on the pitch Nuno Minj has a 6.2. Nuno Sanch, 5.6. Pregunza, 4.9. Uh, 
Mateus Nunes 4.8 and Pedro Pot Gonçalves as a 7.7 man of the match performance according to this rating and Paulinho has a 5.3 for Benfica or let's look at their subs João Mario comes off the bench for 5.2 Paulinho off the bench for 5.2 and Jovan Cabral 5.3 Benfica Elton 5.3 Diogo Salves 4.7 Lucas Ferrissimo 5.7 uh, Ulian Weigel with a disappointing 4.9. Not his best game. Uh, he also took a knee to the side of the head in this one, which uh, watching, I do believe, was accidental. I don't see any intent in Pot uh, tr trying to knee him in the temple. It did cut him right right here on the temple, and there was some blood drawn. Otamendi, 5.5, but I thought he was better than that. I, I, I find myself sometimes disagreeing with these ratings a little bit. I think there may be something wrong with the with the algorithm at times because I think it it's weighing something too heavily and something else not heavily enough, I feel like. I always feel like something's missing. Uh, Grimaldo, 4.8. and Again, Grimaldo is one of these guys... That I think we need to move on from, honestly. Unpopular opinion, but I think we need to replace him. We need better in that position. We need better. We need a guy who can defend a little. Who can at least defend the one-on-one. -on -one. In the course of a, several months, Diogo Gonçalves has become a better one-on-one -on -one defender than Grimaldo, who has been playing this position for years. Okay, so I think we need better at that position. Per my preference... Is is Ruben Vinagre? I know he's a largato, but he's my preference uh, for that position. If he's available, I think we should pounce on it. But um, if we don't get anyone in to replace him, I I don't want to just get rid of him either for the sake of getting rid of him. Terapta is a four point seven, and like I said, I didn't think he was in any way uh, hurting the team. I think taking him off and bringing on Gabriel completely broke our midfield into pieces it shattered it and it allowed Sporting back into the match um, PZ with the 7.5 Benfica's best player in this one and uh, maybe one of his best games in definitely this season I, I think he's been on a little bit of a tear recently and like I said I think once uh, the word got out that uh, there were four more spots available on that Portuguese national team I think PZ wants to go to the Euro and wants to even if he doesn't play, I think he wants to be there and to experience a major tournament for the first time in his career. And I can certainly, certainly understand that. Everton with the 5.4. Again, I don't agree with that rating. I thought he was fantastic once again. And other other uh, sites have him in the 7s. So um, it would be interesting to learn what makes this one different. And it's always lower here on the goal point than it is on any of the other sites. Seferovic, 6.6 .6 with two goals. And there you see the heat map for Pot. Um, in a moment, I can go to to Sofa Score here, and I can unshare the screen, and I'll bring up Sofa Score and show you guys uh, the heat maps for Benfica's players. And I can also get stats there. So, so here we go. As I. I yeah, so you can see Seferovic's heat map here. He was not enough time in the box despite scoring two goals, I think. I think there should be more color in that box. But in the second half, uh, it looks like he got some more of some more. Or in the first half, I should say. That's when he was in this part of the box here. 
basically were attacking this way in the first half, so that's where he must have been. You see there, 89 minutes, two goals scored. Uh, for PZ, here's PZ's heat map. As he has some spots here down the right, he he did a he did a good job in this game. Um, again, I thought this was the best match he's put together all season. Here he's a 9.1. You see the difference in the ratings if you can see it. I know it's very small on your screen. Uh, Everton here has a 7.1 versus the 5.7 that goal point gave him. And you can also see his heat map. He's covering down this flank. He's he's owning it right here. And um, he's come along a big way. And like I said, I had said in the last episode, I hope he's not selected for the Brazil national team. I'll, unfortunately, he was selected for Brazil's national team. He's going to the two World Cup qualifiers and I believe to Copa America as well. Lucas Verissimo joining him. And Nicolas Otamendi and... Uh, and Jan Vertonghen also named to their national teams for these summer tournaments. So um, I don't really like when these guys come back late. I'm very nervous. Uh, I hope they get through these tournaments uh, safely. So we got stats, and I'll take the stats back to the other website where you can see them better. But it... I think that the stats may not tell the whole story because Benfica going ahead so early is obviously going to impact the statistics and the possession numbers. But let's see how they came out. In total shots, you see here 12 for Benfica, 11 for Sporting, 9 on goal to 5 for Sporting. So Benfica... Uh, dangerously efficient in this match. And this is the Benfica that I think we need. We can't play well every match, but we can certainly be more efficient every match. And uh, this is the ty type of Benfica we need. And you see their actions in the opponent's area. 24 to 18 in Benfica's favor. Five corners to each team. 79% pass efficiency to both teams. Poor, uh, Sporting with a slightly better vertical pass efficiency. 63% to 61. Uh, actions in the in the sorry defensive actions in the opponent's midfield and Sporting won that battle. Fouls committed. Benfica won that battle. If you want to look at it that way, and Benfica with more possession than Sporting. All right, let's look now at the table. I'll pull the table up and we will look one more time at the sofa score. Because that is where the table is. And see where we stand with one round to play. So you see their Sporting lead. They're champions already. First loss of the season. Thank you to us. 82 points. Five ahead of Porto going into the final match. Uh, Porto with 77. Befica 73. Braga 63. These places are all set in stone. Also... Fifth place is done. It is Passos de Ferreira. They have 53 points. They're going to the Europa Conference League. And right now, this is actually wrong. Again, SofaScore is breaking the tie based on... It says here, based on goal difference. That is not correct in Liga Nage. 
It is head-to-head, which Vitória Guimarães won both. They won one and drew one with Santa Clara this year. So right now, Vitória Guimarães has the edge, and they should be in sixth, not Santa Clara. This is an error on Sofa score on Sofa scores part, but they both have 43 points, which means tomorrow's matchup is crucial. And if Benfica can win tomorrow against Vitória. Santa Clara only need a point to bring European football to the Asurge. That would be spectacular, and it would be well-deserved because Santa Clara have played some brilliant football at times this season, and I've been very, very impressed with them when I when they have been playing well. Family Co. has slowly climbed their way back into the picture. They have uh, 40 points. Three behind the two in front of them, and I guess with the mathematic outside chance of stealing that that sixth place. Uh, Bolinish Sad also on 40, as is Morirense. 11th is Gil Vicente on 39. Tondela, 36. They are done. Tondela has completed the season there in 12th place. Uh, they could still go down depending on results for Maritimo and Portimonense. You see them there in 13th and 14th, respectively. Right now, Boavista is safe. But again, there's a match to go. Boavista in 15th with 33 points. Ferenc in the playoff spot right now. And I believe right now the third place team in the Liga 2 is Vizela. So right now it would be a North versus South matchup for the final spot in next year's Liga Portugal bet win or B win. Uh, you will have right now it is Ferenc versus Vizela. And I'm not even sure if this. Matt, if this is going to be played over two legs or one, it has not been very well publicized, not been very well promoted by the league. I bet it won't even be on television for us, to be honest. I bet it's not even included in the league's television package. Uh, Ruav in 17th right now and getting relegated. This is bad news for Ruav. They absolutely have to win tomorrow, and Nacional already relegated. Goodbye. Or just by actually. Let's take a look at what we got for matches tomorrow. So tomorrow we got Portimones taking on Sporting Braga and Algarve. Moreres holding hosting Famalicão. Nacional hosting Riuav. So Riuav go to the Chopana. They're gonna need to win and get help. Uh Gil Vicente host Boavista. Santa Clara host Ferenc. So if Santa Clara can win at home at the Stadio São Miguel, they have a chance if Benfica can help them out to find themselves playing European football next year. And Sporting will have their hair painted green tomorrow when they take on Maritimo. All right, we're going to take a long overdue break right now, Uh, just a minute or so. For those of you on the podcast, you know the drill on the break. If you're watching the video, I will be right back shortly. And we will talk about the women's team. I have not forgot them. I know it's been an hour and 15 minutes, but I have not forgotten the women's team. We're going to talk about their big, big victory this weekend over Condesha. 7-0 in the Liga BPI, setting up this coming Saturday's winner-take-all final round against Sporting at Alcuchit. Winner will be champion, and Benfica, I think, are ready for this. We'll be right back here on Mr. Benfica. This is your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter. You see the handle right on your screen if you're watching at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And check out www.mrbenfica.com. I'll be right back. 
Mr. Benfica episode 113. Here we are. Uh, we are nearing the end of season three, but let me tell you, stay with me. I am not concluding the season on Sunday after Sasa. There's more to talk about. Um, there'll be an end of the season wrap-up show, but I'm also going to continue the show. We're going to go to the end of the season with futsal as well, okay? So although the football teams are ending their season this weekend, the women on Saturday, the men on Sunday, um, the men obviously playing in the cup final on Sunday, um, I will stay with the show through the completion of futsal's run. So futsal, before we go, we get to the women's football team real quick, futsal, men's futsal playoff semifinals start this weekend on Saturday. They're traveling to Fundo. In what I believe is a, a best two out of three series. They win two games. They advance to the final. In the other semifinal, we have, I have it here. The other semifinal is Sporting versus Leonge Portsalvo. So you can expect Sporting to be in the final if we get there. And I do expect us to get there. Uh, we have the responsibility to be there. We are two of the best teams in Europe, okay? And I know Benfica is not at the level they once were. But... Benfica, after the season they've had, they really need to push for the title in futsal. And I'm going to stay here and keep podcasting and reviewing until they are complete. So, this is an open casting call right now to anyone, wherever you are, okay, that knows futsal better than me. I would please, please, please appreciate you joining me on this show to help me break down these matches, okay? Uh, I know futsal a little bit. I know the positions. I know some basic strategy. But I would love to have somebody on the show that really, that can one, watch these matches, okay? 
they're available both on BTV and on Canal 11. Okay, if you have access to those two channels and you can watch the matches and you know futsal, if you've played at a high level or if you just know the intricacies of futsal, things like the fly keeper and when to use it, when not. I, I know a little bit, but I would love to have someone that's much more seasoned in futsal join me on this podcast. If you're interested, hit me up on Twitter, DM me on Instagram. Or just send an email at themrbenfica at gmail.com, okay? I look forward to hearing from somebody that can join me, all right, and be on the show with me to break down futsal as the season uh, comes to its crescendo, okay? We're in the semifinals, and the finals are right around the corner. Women's football now, Benfica versus Condesha, okay? It is round 13, of the championship, uh, or I should say, I guess you could say it's week 13 of the championship round or the championship phase. Benfica hosting Condesha, a team that is known for its stinginess defensively, a team that is not known for giving up a lot of goals, but Benfica come alive in the second half. And here I am going to pull up the lineups and then share them with you. Is I've got Playmaker Stats. This is coming to you courtesy of Playmaker Stats. This is where I get all the women's football information because this is where they actually keep the stats well. And it's much, I could not do this show covering the women's team without Playmaker Stats. Okay. And now I'm going to share the screen so that y'all can see this. And we're going to look at the 11 for, well, mostly for Benfica, but we all have the 11 to both teams, and there it is. Hopefully it's big enough for you all to see. Lele is the goalkeeper for Benfica. Well, let's go with Condesha first, okay? Liliana Almeida is the goalkeeper. And then the remaining 10, because Playmaker Stats does not put this in in a field order, you have Sony Costa, Ana Sampaio, Brazilian uh, player Inej Barge, Carolina Pochinho, Rita Darko, Ana Hoot, Leticia Leme, and then our former player Tita Lobscher, just Tita as we knew her, old number 77, who used to play for Benfica back in the team's first season. Maria João Silva and Anita are the 11 for Condesha. For Benfica now in goal, it is the Brazil International Lele. A lot of players rested in this one, rotated out by the manager, uh, Felipe Paton here. And Anasaisa returns to the starting lineup and partners with Silvia Revillo. In the previous match, Anasaisa had, had started with Carol Costa. It looks like the center backs are getting a bit of a rotation. And um, I think it's just keeping everybody fresh and keeping everybody fine-tuned for the finale this coming week. Matilde Fidal, who gets a start over Caterina Amado on the right uh, at, at right back. Um, we have two very good right backs in the team that bring different things to the to the game, so it's good to see them both get to play. In midfield, uh, we see Ana Vitoria return to the starting lineup after weeks of injury. She replaces Kika in the lineup here. Andrea Faria keeps her spot. And Beatriz Camerón is in, and she's playing in Polita's normal role as the holding midfielder, while Christy Uchebe gets a start to make the the four, or I sh yeah, the four-man, uh, the four-player midfield for Benfica. Up front, you have Marta Sintra, 
partnering with Canadian International now. Chloe Lacasse, who scores a beauty of a goal in this game. And Lucia Alves there is the left back, okay? And as I'll bring the screen back here. So this was a match that uh, started off kind of nervy. Benfica score early. They do score early. And I'll bring I'll stop the screen and bring it back to you guys. So the Benfica score early here, but then Condesha stabilized. The first goal comes in the 22nd minute from Chloe Lacasse. If you want to see it, go to Instagram at Mr. Benfica. I shared it on my story. Actually, it's probably down now. But it is a brilliant chip. She goes in down the right center channel. That space she loves to occupy. Uh, a very brilliant ball played into her. And she, the goalkeeper gets caught halfway out. Chloe looks up, sees her out, plays a perfect chip. To the far left post. And Befica lead 1-0 early. But Condesha, like I said, would stabilize. And they would hold off for the rest of the half. And um, Befica would have their chances. But they would miss some open ones. There's one where Chloe dribbles the goalkeeper. And then with her left foot, it just goes a little bit into the side netting. Just misses the mark by, by a small margin. Uh, we get... Good opportunities as well by by Sintra by um I'm sorry Marta Sintra excuse me and you see some real good play in midfield from Andrea Faria in this match she she's really regained her form she started well she really dipped in the middle of the season and now Andrea Faria really elevating and I mean this Benfica team is so loaded with young talent that I'm so excited to watch mature and watch grow into. Uh, full professionals, you know, with with and not all of them started, but with 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 Andrea, with Beatriz, with Kika, with uh, Katarina Amado. These these are players that are just an absolute joy to watch, and this team has gotten better each and every week that they've come out to play. And I have to say this, and I liked Luis Andrade as the manager, and in fact, Luis Andrade had the courtesy to return my my DM when uh. When he left, I sent him a, a thank you. And I also sent him a couple congratulations across the time that he was the manager. And he always responded to me. And I really have really felt a connection to this women's team. Because whether it's the managers, whether it's the players, whether it's whoever. When you reach out to them, they respond. They take the time to speak to Befica Nation. They take the time to thank you for your support. To thank you for your interest in what they do. And um, I had the pleasure this year of exchanging messages with more than half of the team. And, and they were always so gracious and always so humble. And they just play a brand of football that I love to watch. Okay, And yes, um, obviously biased, but I think we have the best team. At this point in the season, Okay, we the race for the title started with Sporting. And they got you know a little bit of a, a head on us. But now... We're here and we're starting to pass them. In my opinion, we'll see on Saturday. Sporting's a very experienced side. Okay, a lot of national team players there. Uh, Ana Borges, Ana Capeta, uh, Tatiana Pinto. <laughs> the, the list just keeps going on. Uh, both national team goalkeepers. You know, this is their captain is is Damjanovic. It's just a a absolutely stacked team. But so are we. So are we, and Befica um, go into halftime leading 1-0, okay? 
And if my memory serves me correct, it was just after the second half began that news arrived. And I'm going to be honest, this was Sunday morning. I had Benfica up on my TV. On my other device, I had Canalons, who has Sporting versus Braga. And I saw Braga score uh, score off a corner kick on Sporting. And all of a sudden, Braga is beating Sporting. And I'm doing one of these. Okay, and I'm starting to go like that. You know, I'm clapping my hands together. I'm getting excited because I could see Benfica starting to... They must... the word. I feel like the word got to Felipe Paton. The word got to the players on the pitch that Sporting had slipped. And that Braga were ahead. And suddenly... Things just started to click, and uh, the, the commentator, Valdemar Duarte, had said on BTV in the first half that Benfica were going to bank on Condacia's fitness, just letting him down in the second half, and the ball starts moving very quickly, and they're connecting passes, and it's all just bing, 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 bing. You know, it's all just coming off clean, and we move into the second half, and it's 10 minutes into the second half, to be exact, 55th minute. And it is Andrea Faria with a nice bit of skill. Creates the space for herself. Walks in. Kisses the ball off the far post and into the goal. Befica lead 2-0. And now I am psyched. Okay. I am now psyched. In comes Pauleta and Kika. Out goes uh, Christy Uchebi and Ana Vitoria. And now Kika comes off the bench. And I'm like, here we go, Befica. It is time. It is time to slay the dragon, if you will. It is time to finish this match. It's like watching. It's like back in the 90s playing Mortal Kombat, and the, it comes up, finish him. And it's just go in for the finish here. You can smell the blood in the water in the 56th. And in the 59th, Beatriz Camero, the holding midfielder with a goal of her own. She scores her second goal of the season, and it is 3-0 to Benfica. And I think it's around this point where we hear news of Braga getting a second, if I'm not mistaken. Or Yeah, Braga get a second, and it's 2-0. And before you can blink, Sporting make it 2-1. So, I'm sweating out the Braga-Sporting match now. Benfica are winning. I've got the DVR rolling, so my attention switches to Primeiro de Mayo. It switches to Braga versus a Sporting. I'm thinking to myself, if Spartan can just slip up, we can go into this last match with a lead. Okay, they had already dropped two points against Fumlico. We had only dropped the three points in the one loss to to Spartan. Remember that the match in the first phase does not matter. That was a qualification phase for this championship phase. This is the way they decided to set the league up. If Befica go ahead and win the league on Saturday with a draw, Sporting are going to be bitter because they beat Befica twice. They beat them in the in the qualifying stage, and now the, and then they beat them in the first half of the championship phase, in in, in the first the Primera Volta, the first run through, the first half of that of that phase. Now. If Befica can go in and get a draw on on Saturday and be crowned champions. So, uh, Sporting will be better. But I ain't feeling bad for them. Our girls have match after match improved. Sporting have plateaued, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean they're not capable of putting in a season-changing performance on Saturday. But when we lost to them the last time in the league... 
I felt, and I think they felt, they were fortunate to get away with the victory and not with the draw. Four days later, we smacked them in the in the League Cup final before you know Beatrice was sent off for a red card, and our girls had to battle and fight and claw and hang on for an hour down a player, and they managed to do it. And Befica, when Befica beat Sporting, I think that made something change. That made something sl- change. Sporting then slipped up in the start of the second half of the season. Round one against Famalicão. Sporting slipped up. Befica, after losing to Sporting, all wins. Okay. Sporting had only that draw until now. 60th minute and uh, Felipe Patão sends in Carol Costa in place of Ana Saisa. That's it for Anita in this one. She gets an hour and Carol now uh, teams up with with Sylvia and we have our normal center back pairing. They're going to play out the last half hour of the match together. I'm sure they are the starting pair for this coming Saturday and it just looks like uh, it just looks like Felipe Patão is playing a little bit of chess. She's moving a piece here, moving it back, moving it here, moving it here. And she's just she's just moving her pieces around and and getting different looks to see how she's going to attack this true finalissima that we've got ahead of us on Saturday. Uh, kickoff is going to be at noontime here in the United States, 5 o'clock local time at Alcushit, okay? 68th minute, Befica add to their lead. Marta Sintra gets her sixth of the competition. Uh, Condesha make a couple of substitutions in the 71st and 75th. And then Kika comes alive. I have praised this player all season as watching her go from a youth team player to a George Minch athlete. It's just unbelievable. A Polaris sports athlete, a company owned by George Minch. She has the same representation as Cristiano Ronaldo, as João Félix, as André Silva, as Renato Sanchez, you name it, as most of the top Portuguese players. Kika gets her goal in the 75th. She's got her eighth goal of the competition there. And she now, uh, in 11 appearances in this round, eight goals. And Befica lead now 5-0. Another double substitution for Felipe Patão in the 79th. Out comes Chloe Lacasse after a job well done. And in comes Nicole Raisla, who is our normal, uh, who is Chloe's normal strike partner. Also, Jolene Amani comes on and replaces Marta Sintra. Our substitutes are just, are, I mean, I have to say, since Felipe Patão came in and replaced Luis Andrade, this team has absolutely exploded in all the right ways. And she knows these players from having worked with them through the youth, the youth uh, levels. And she understands the older w- players because she just came out of playing the game herself very short time ago. She's a former Portugal international. She is totally 100% in sync with this team. And you can just see she's given everyone their chance to play. She's keeping the morale on the team high. The confidence is high. She can call on any 11 players she wants to. And they're going to deliver for her right now. 83rd minute, and it's our girl Kika once again. If you haven't yet, go to www.mrbefica.com. Read my blog post. I did a player profile on her. 
I got another one I'm going to drop this month on another athlete. But for now, for April, Kika was my player profile, my athlete of the month, if you will. She gets her ninth goal in the 83rd minute, but she's not done. 85th minute is Kika again with her 10th hat trick in 10 minutes. 10 minutes it took Kika to get a hat trick. Benfica win 7 to nil. That's right, 7 to nil. Let's now take a look here, and I'm going to pull up the table in the Liga BPI, and I'll show you this, the screen now. Hopefully you can see it as we'll see where we stand right now going into the final matches. So that says, this is from the 15th of May, Torres 1, Maritimo 2. Maritimo pick up a win. I, I had said in the last episode that I spoke about the women's team I was somewhat impressed with Maritimo and their ability they were tough um, they don't have a lot of goals but after Benfica and Sporting and Braga and Famalicão they have the fewest goals allowed now they're climbing and they're in sixth place uh, Maritimo with a big win on the road at Torreins Benfica you see there win 7-0 at home to Condesha another big Somewhat of an upset here. It's Albergeria 3, Fumalicão 3. Uh, Fumalicão started on fire. They went perfect through the fir- through the qualifying phase. Um, really only have only have lost to the big teams in this one. They've lost now twice to Benfica, uh, once to Sporting, once to Braga. They've also beaten Braga, so um, they're they're gonna. You know, they're going to finish in... They're only a point behind Braga. It will come down to the final day for second and third place. Of course, only the champion gets European football in in women's football in Portugal, sadly. And I, the way UEFA needs to create a Europa League for the women. If they're going to have three competitions in the men's game, they have to at least have two in the women's game because second place should get to play in Europe or the cup winner should get to play in Europe. I don't like that it's just one. But listen, our federation is growing. We're getting better each time, and the future is so bright for this Benfica team. Okay, and then you see there the big result, Braga 2, Sporting 1. So the table going into the final round of play is as follows. Benfica, first place on 36 points, 12 victories, 1 defeat, 44 goals, scored 7 allowed. Sporting second with 34. They're two behind. They have to win on Saturday. Benfica can draw. Sporting have to win. I'm not sure yet who I think that favors because that can be very, very tricky when you know you can afford to to draw. Sometimes it, it hurts your rhythm. It hurts your flow. It hurts your concentration. You over You play over conservatively, and that can come back to hurt. I hope that's not the case. I'm very confident in this team. Uh, for Saturday. I think they have figured out a way to take on this Sporting team and a way to to stand toe-to-toe with them. And honestly, I trust I trust the girls to come away with the result on Saturday and lift the trophy on their pitch. <laughs> Sporting Braga are third with 24 points. Fumalicão, 
fourth with 23. Albergaria fifth. They are the surprise of the season, the the, the rele, uh, revelation, if you will, of the season. 16 points. Maritimo sixth with 12. Tujes have seven, and Condesha with one point. Um, but again, only 37 goals allowed, as opposed to, for example, Torres, who have 48 allowed. All right, match day 14, round 14. Here we go. Saturday, the 22nd, as I said, 12 noon our time here on the east, or my time, I should say, here on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, that's 9 a.m. on the west coast. And it is 5 p.m. in Portugal, 17 hours. You see it there. Sporting versus Benfica at Alcochet. And one hour earlier is the other three matches. It's Condesha hosting Torres, Maritimo hosting Albergeria, and the Minu Derby between Famalicão and Sporting Braga. All right, uh, like I said, listener notes here, uh, programming note, I mean. Going forward, uh, there's going to be some more episodes. I have already spoken to somebody. I'm going to bring a guest on in a, in about a week or so. We're going to review the season. Okay, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Hopefully, talk about winning a women's championship and a men's Taça de Portugal. That is my hope to bring that up. Um, big, big. This is a must win in the champion for, for the women because we need to go to the Champions League, in my opinion, because that's where Benfica belongs. And... I like Benfica being the leaders of the women's game in Portugal. On the men's side, like I said, we got Vitória Guimarães tomorrow. By the time you guys, some of you hear this, it'll already be tomorrow. But we got um, round 34 at the Dom Alfonso Henrique. Okay, empty stadium, unfortunately. But uh, we can cl we close out the season. All right, well, here we are. We made it. This felt like the longest season. I know I said this last season, but this really felt like the longest season because last season kind of seemed to morph into this season. It didn't seem like there was that natural stop in between, um, especially for us because the season ended and then Georges Zouz was, was presented, like, what, the next day? And and uh, and we were in preseason mode within a week. So a uh, very, very long, exhausting season for all of us. And I'm looking for I am looking forward to a little time, hopefully, between the the end of the season and the start of the Euros. But we'll wait and see if the futsal team keeps me busy all the way there. Um, but it will certainly be fun to if we get there to to cover a Befica Sporting best of five futsal series. Uh, that could take a couple of weeks. Uh, I may be biting off more than I can chew, but we'll find out, won't we? Um, so that is the programming note. Like I said, there will be a pregame show on on Sunday, but I will have another podcast probably Friday night. Um, I'm expecting it to go live the same way this one did. It looks like this is the format I'm probably going to use going forward because this is easier for me, and this takes less time than actually recording a podcast in segments, cutting them up, putting them into the, the podcast format, and then doing the editing. I kind of like this, so I'm going to keep this going, okay? Um, so Friday night, 8 o'clock or so, um, Eastern Time here in the United States, so that's 1 a.m. in Portugal. I will do another episode and then get everybody ready for Sunday's TASA final. I'm planning to do a pregame show before the final on Sunday, okay? And then 
when it comes to the big games this week and the big matches. There will be an episode solely for the women and an episode solely for the men because these are two big matches and each one deserves their own episode. All right. I'm only put merging them together this way due to time constraints. But that's going to be episode 113. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Uh, make sure to follow on Twitter. Make sure to follow on YouTube. Hit subscribe down there. Hit the little bell right next to it and get alerted so that you can find out every time I go live. And um, share this with your friends. Tell everybody uh, who likes Befica and speaks English all about Mr. Befica. And um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. It's been my pleasure once again. We have a few episodes left, though. We're not done yet. We can still finish this season very much on a high note. Crega Benfica. Forza Benfica. We are Benfica. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. And I'll see you this weekend. Mm-hmm.